This is Fresh Air. I'm Terry Gross. My guest, Yannick Nazé-Séguin, won two Grammys this month. He's the music and artistic director and conductor of the Philadelphia Orchestra and the music director and conductor of the Metropolitan Opera. He also continues to lead the Orchestra Metropolitan in Montreal, where he's from. One Grammy was for the Met's recording of the new Terence Blanchard opera, Fire Shut Up in My Bones, which made history as the first opera by a black composer to be presented by the Met. The other Grammy was for Best Classical Vocal Performance, featuring duets with opera star Renee Fleming and Yannick at the piano. Last year, he won a Grammy with the Philadelphia Orchestra for a recording of two symphonies by composer Florence Price. In 1933, she became the first black woman to have her music played by a major American orchestra. Last week, the mayor of Philadelphia presented a declaration commemorating Philly Loves Yannick Week, in celebration of him extending his contract with the Philadelphia Orchestra for four more years. He is not only a great conductor, he has a gift for explaining what's technically happening in music that translates into deep emotions. So I'm happy to say he's made a playlist for us of music he loves that's inspired him. It includes pop music as well as classical, and of course, I'll be asking him to talk about each passage that he features from that list of recordings. Yannick, welcome back to Fresh Air. It is so great to have you back on our show. Congratulations on the Grammys. Congratulations, and thank you for re-upping on that contract. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much, Terry. It's such a pleasure to talk to you again. So since the Grammys were so recent, and you, you just won two of them, let's start with the Grammys. But... Before we get to your Grammy, let's hear a song from your playlist that was part of the Big Grammy News. It's a song from Beyonce's album, Renaissance, which won four Grammys, enabling Beyonce to break the career record for the most Grammy wins of all time. She is beloved, but I wonder if you, as the conductor of the Philly Orchestra and the Metropolitan Opera, hear things in her music that most of us probably don't. Um, So tell us why... You love the track that you chose, which is called Cozy. Or tell us about why you love the whole album Renaissance and what you hear that maybe we don't. Well, it's probably not a surprise if I'm telling you that I listen to pop music much the same way. I can't help it. I hear harmonies. I hear details of instrumentation and mixing and because I love also operas, as you know, and I love long symphonies, I, I love an album as a concept of something that I like, that it's from start to finish, it's not only a good song, but as a whole, it's greater than the sum of its parts. And I felt this way with Renaissance by Beyoncé. I always liked her music, and I liked very much Lemonade a few years ago, uh, also because there was a concept behind it. Now, it was difficult to choose just one song out of the album, but I also like the messaging of the album, and I think that Cozy at this moment is is a great message that talks first to women in general and empowers women and empowers all of us, quite frankly, um, regardless of gender, in also have feelings that we, it's self-love, but it's also about mental health. And I think self-love is the starting point of mental health. And um you know, to be able to to have this point across while still being able to make us dance and have a catchy melody, uh, I think, you know, that's just a mark of, you know, what makes pop music great when it's great. 
All right, with that, let's hear Beyonce's Cozy from her latest album, Renaissance. So that's Cozy, one of the songs on the playlist that conductor Yannick Nazay-Sagan has brought with him today, and he's the conductor of the Philadelphia Orchestra and the Metropolitan Opera. You know, you said one of the things you love about um, the whole album, Renaissance, is that it has a, a concept. I don't want to read her dedication for the album. It's dedicated in part to her uncle Johnny, who was gay and died of AIDS-related causes, I think toward the beginning of her career. And she wrote... He was my godmother and the first person to expose me to a lot of the music and culture that serve as inspiration for this album. Thank you to all of the pioneers who originate culture, to all of the fallen angels whose contributions have gone unrecognized for far too long. This is a celebration for you. And so it's it's really a celebration of like dance music and music that became popular in, in gay clubs during the AIDS epidemic and after. Um, so what do you relate to about that concept of the album? Mm. You know, at the Grammys, she, uh, as you know, also um, in her speech, thanked the queer community um, in general. And there was something about... Um, giving space, giving the voice to a certain community while herself not necessarily belonging to. I relate to this also, um, well, obviously, myself as a gay man, that that really is close to home. But also, I, I think always of better ways of being a leader, what it means um, in classical music in my field, how can I be a better leader? And especially in more recent years, but I think all through my career, but I take it even more at a full speed recently. I think I want to be the leader who makes space for others and other communities to uh, to shine and to um, to be rediscovered and to to have their own space. And that's really what I've been doing, whether at the Philadelphia Orchestra, at the Met, and even at Orchestre Metropolitain, um, shining a light on on other um, communities and artists. And I, I believe when, uh, you know, Beyoncé, she's at the top of the world at the moment, and she's been for a while, and she's using this to raise awareness to other people. And I, of course, respect and admire, and th- that's something that really resonates deeply with me. So one more thing about this album, which is 
you know, inspired by dance music um, and is dance music. You told me once that when you were 10, that's, that's when you realized you wanted to conduct. But you, you just thought of the visual part of the conductor on the podium <laughs> kind of dancing as the conductor, you know, does his thing. Um, so do you love to dance? And did you go clubbing a lot in your earlier years? Or were you too busy, like, practicing? So here's the secret, dear Terry. I, on the dance floor, I'm hopeless. <laughs> and it's funny because... It's true. I can't deny that on the podium, I have kind of a balletic ap- approach and I do feel the music in my body, including my lower body, which is, you know, basically <laughs> where dance is happening. And I conceive music always with dance, whether even it's Baroque or the slowest part for me. I conceive music as primarily dance moves. It's the rhythm is the most important thing in music. And even when I conduct some Baroque music like Bach or something that people think is very serious or very slow, I always try to remember that quintessentially this is a dance. But if you take me out of that context, <laughs> I, I need quite a few drinks before I'm at ease on the dance floor. But my husband, Pierre, is the best dancer ever. He can dance any kind of dance. And he went clubbing a lot in his youth, and I did not. And when we started being together, I asked him to teach me to dance because I didn't want to, uh, I don't know, I didn't want to embarrass him. And those dance lessons um, never really happened because he would <laughs> laugh so hard at me. So um, it's interesting how I try to make up for it on the podium. <laughs> Um, so you won two Grammys this year. Let's hear music from one of them. And this is duets with, with you at the piano and opera star Renee Fleming singing. The album is called Voice of Nature Anthropocene and it won for Best Vocal Performance. So this is on your playlist, and I assume you chose this because you find Renee Fleming inspiring. What makes her voice and her acting in operas so special? We're talking with Renée Fleming, legend. She is larger than life. And I mean, I don't want to embarrass her by saying that, but I told her, you know, one of the first recordings I bought as a CD was her Schubert um, set of songs with Christoph Eschenbach, former music director of the Philadelphia Orchestra, as it happens, but on the piano. And I remember buying this for a Christmas present to my mother. And when René, many decades later, uh, after we collaborated on stage many times in opera and in symphonic, she was my first soloist here in Philadelphia uh, for my first opening night back in 2012. But when she called me during the pandemic and said, look, Yannick, we should make a recital together at the piano, I, I could not believe it because I never saw myself as a pianist that could make it at the piano to the top like this you know for me I'm primarily a conductor and to have the opportunity I couldn't say no to that and this became a project that we became so dear to both of us and one of the my favorite songs that I dreamed of playing especially with a voice like Renee's is this Greek song Sum Rosenheit and that's why I chose it So this is from the album 
voice of nature, Anthropocene, and Anthropocene is the era we're in now where humans are the determining factor in climate change and environmental changes. So let's hear a track from this Grammy Award-winning album with my guest, Yannick Nizé-Séguin at the piano, and Renee Fleming singing. And this is a piece by Grieg called Zur Rosenzweig. That was a track from Voice of Nature, Anthropocene, the new Grammy Award-winning album with singer Renee Fleming, and my guest, Yannick Nizé-Séguin at the piano. He's the conductor of the Philadelphia Orchestra and the Metropolitan Opera. Um, You told me in an earlier interview that you took piano lessons. You studied piano when you were younger, but you didn't love it. You love conducting, but you didn't love piano. Um, So what's your relationship to the piano now? You play beautifully. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, it, it It's true. I just didn't fall in love with the piano at age five or six or seven. But I guess I loved music. But the piano was a way to get to um, another goal, which became very quickly conducting. Music in in a group, music, uh, sharing music with others. And that's my real love. And still to this day, that's what it is. But recently, and I guess those years of pandemic uh, are important in that journey for me, is that I had more time to spend at home on my piano to make music because I couldn't be with the groups. Um, And so I, I, I went back to the piano and for the first time in my life, really falling in love with the sound of the instrument. I guess studying piano is important because there's chords and there's treble and bass clefs. The piano is the instrument that most closely parallels the orchestra. Absolutely. Absolutely. 
I mean, there are many conductors who are not pianists, especially nowadays. You know, you get percussionists, you get flutists, you get viola players, you get everything, and that's that's great. But the harmony, the fact that there are chords, as you rightly said, that is why piano is so great, but it's also its downside. You spend your life at the piano trying to imitate the cello, imitate the horn, imitate the human voice. And it's kind of an illusion, but it helps create a sense of color. Maybe because of that, <laughs> I always considered piano to be kind of neutral because I had to think of another instrument to make it sound right. And maybe that's why it took me up until I'm in my mid-40s to really try to understand the beauty of that particular sound without thinking that it was a neutral one. Okay, so we've heard from two divas, an opera diva, <laughs> Renee Fleming, and Beyonce, who is, you know, like a rhythm and blues, hip-hop, pop diva. Um, so... I want to play somebody else from your playlist who I think you consider a diva, too, and that's Celine Dion. Now, most people know her as, you know, primarily or originally from My Heart Will Go On from the movie Titanic. You've chosen a French song. She, like you, is from Quebec and speaks French, as you do. Um, and so this is a French song, and I'd like you to tell us why you chose it. Celine Dion is... Our diva in Quebec. <laughs> she is the one. And also, when, you know, if you look at it, she's a little older than I am, but she started so young. And therefore, when I was a child, it was when she started to be really popular in Quebec, which was understandably quite a few years before she made a successful um, transition in becoming a global megastar. Um, and, you know, in the United States market, but, you know, everywhere in the world, really. And the song I chose is from one of our, her latest albums, you know, the one that she released back in 2016. And that's a, um, a song I, I attended the show that she gave in Montreal, and that was not so long after her husband and agent, uh, René Angelil, uh, passed away. And so... I think it was a highly charged um, show, and um, I, I don't know, this song just reminds me of being there, meeting her before the show, being there, feeling the love from an entire city, an entire nation uh, for their diva, our diva, Céline, and I think this is very special. My guest is Yannick Nazay-Saigan, music director and conductor of the Philadelphia Orchestra and the Metropolitan Opera. Let's hear some of the song we've been talking about, the title track of Celine Dion's 2016 album, Encore Un Soir. We'll hear more music from the playlist he put together for us after a break. I'm Terry Gross, and this is Fresh Air. Une photo, une date, c'était ni pas croire. C'était pourtant hier, mentir et ma mémoire et ses visages d'enfant et le mien dans ce miroir. Oh, c'est pas pour me plaindre, ça vous n'avez rien à craindre. La vie m'a tellement gâté, j'ai plutôt du mal à l'éteindre. Oh mon Dieu, j'ai eu ma part. 
et bien plus à tant d'égards. Mais quand on vit trop beau, trop fort, on en oublie le temps qui passe. Comme on perd un peu le nord au milieu de trop vastes espaces. À peine le temps de s'y faire, à peine on doit laisser la place. Ou si je pouvais, encore un soir, encore une heure, encore une larme de bonheur, une faveur. Une fleur, un souffle, une erreur Un peu de nous, rien de tout Pour tout se dire encore ou bien se taire en regard Juste un repas Hey, this is Seth Kelly, producer at Fresh Air. And this is Molly C.V. Nesper, digital producer at Fresh Air. We co-write the weekly Fresh Air newsletter. It's recaps of the week, staff recommendations, gems from the archive, and a glimpse at who's coming on the show soon, all in one place. It's also a fun peek behind the scenes. What goes into the producing and editing of the interviews, and a chance to meet the people who make Fresh Air. You can subscribe by going to whyy.org slash fresh air. You'll hear from us soon. Now, back to the show. Let's get back to my interview with Yannick Nazay-Segan, the music and artistic director of the Philadelphia Orchestra and its conductor. He's also the music director and conductor of the Metropolitan Opera. He won two Grammys this month. One Grammy was for the Mets recording of the new Terrence Blanchard opera, Fire Shut Up in My Bones, which made history as the first opera by a black composer to be presented by the Met. The other Grammy was for Best Classical Vocal Performance, featuring duets with opera star Renee Fleming and Unique at the Piano. Last year, he won a Grammy with the Philadelphia Orchestra for a recording of two symphonies composed by Florence Price. In 1933, she became the first black woman to have her music played by a major American orchestra. Unique has put together a playlist for us of music he loves that's inspired him. So let's change it up a little bit. Up next from your playlist is Lil Nas X's recording Montero. (laughs) Montero, (laughs) Call Me By Your Name. And he, of course, became famous for um, combining hip-hop and country in his first recording, Old Town Road. And he's also kind of famous for being being gay and very out in the hip-hop world. And his clothes are like wild costumes, sometimes sexually ambiguous costumes. Um... So you chose the song Montero, Call Me By Your Name. His birth name is Montero. So tell us why you love the song and why you've chosen it on your playlist. I think I just love the person or the persona of Lil Nas X. For me, it's inspiring to see that in a field where it was still quiet and repressed and not accepted to be anything but this kind of... um, a certain way of seeing masculinity, um, that he can be so successful by being so upfront, you know, without shame, being who who he wants to be. And, okay, parallelism are always a little, you know, rocky. It's not uh, exactly the same, but I'm still one of the very few out gay conductors out there. And I think it's about time that these symbolic figures like Lil Nas X, it's only this way that we're going to have young people uh, really embrace 
embrace it and probably understand or make decision makers maybe understand that they should stop saying to everyone, oh, if you're outing yourself, you're going to have your fan base reduced and everything like this. I, I think it's insane. There's so many young people at the moment who are in desperate need. They feel ashamed of being who they want to be. And there's problems with suicide and still so many issues. And I'm that's why I want to be more out and about about it, because I want to be an example that, yes, we can make it to the top by being who we want to be. And we should love whoever we want to love. And I feel like this is in his own way what Montero, <laughs> Lil Nas X, is doing. Well, let's hear it. This is Lil Nas X, Montero. I caught it bad just today. You hit me with a call to your place. Ain't been out in a while anyway Was hoping I could catch you throwing smiles in my face Romantic talking, you don't even have to try You're cute enough to f*** with me tonight Looking at the table and I see the reason why Baby, you live in the life, but baby, you ain't living right Champagne and drinking with your friends You live in the dark, boy, I cannot pretend I'm not faced, only here to sin If you ain't in your garden, you know that you can Call me when you want, call me when you need Time that I speak, a diamond and a nine. It was mine every week. What a time and incline. God was shining on me. Now I can't leave. And now I'm making Nelly Lee. Never want to pass in my league. I only want the ones that was Lil Nas X doing Montero. And it's one of the songs on the playlist that Yannick Nazé Sagan has put together for us. He's the conductor of the Philadelphia Orchestra, who has just thankfully extended his contract. And he's also the conductor of the Metropolitan Opera. Uh, you've seen the video for this, right? <laughs> yes, I did. So the video has a lot of biblical imagery, like satanic imagery, which probably a lot of people would find sacrilegious. Also a lot of phallic imagery. <laughs> he's riding a stripper pole to hell. He gives a lap dance to Satan. And as I said, there's like lots of phallic imagery in it. You grew up very Catholic. Um, and, and, I like your segue here. Yes, right. and, and, and I think now you call your religion um, music. But would you have found this offensive when you were in, in your early teens? Mm. You know, the concept of offensive is um, maybe something I didn't grow up so much with. I believe, even though my parents and my family are are still very religious and we believe in God and yes, our, our religion is Catholic. And it's not about being shocked by things and um, therefore I don't think even back then it would have been offensive. I'm not sure my parents would have left me <laughs> watching it that much, you know, at a certain age, which that's fine. That's another, you know, that's another discussion, uh, which is a good one. So the next piece I want to play from your playlist is an excerpt of 
a symphony by Bruckner, Anton Bruckner, and it was written during the final years of his life. He died in 1896, and apparently he was working on it in the last days of his life, but didn't complete it in time. So tell us about the piece and why it inspires you. Well, speaking of Catholic, um, <laughs> I like it. I like it. I think, you know, from Lil Nas X to, to Bruckner, I, you know, that's very unique. Um, Bruckner is probably the most Catholic composer ever. He's the most religious, was an organist. So, and as we know, organist, because big organs, great organs are very often in churches, is closely associated. And if on the street, if you say organ, most people will say, oh, the, that church or that wedding ceremony or something. And that's right. So I feel like Bruckner symphonies are like organ works, but orchestrated for a full symphony orchestra. And because of this, that music can be very spiritual, very nourishing. I love conducting Bruckner. I recorded all nine symphonies. But this ninth symphony, especially the excerpt I chose, is something that's one of the most menacing, threatening ever music that, that's been composed. Uh, it's where an orchestra can be, oh, uh, get scary and not in a spooky way, just because it's quintessentially impressive and imposing. It's one of those um, uh, last days of judgment uh, that we can see in paintings, and uh, especially performed like my with my favorite conductor, Carlo Maria Giulini, who I had the honor of having as a mentor when I was very young. You know, uh, before we hear, I, w- I want to say... Um, Maybe it's because I know he was composing it as he was dying. I hear this passage as alternating between fear receding and then exploding and then receding again and then exploding again um, or, or, or pain, you know, receding and then exploding again. I, I agree with you completely, Terry. That's really someone who is closer to yeah, his last days. He's aware of it. And I have a very shall I say, romantic idea about this. I think geniuses, composers, when they are close to their own death, a little bit like Mozart with his own Requiem or Schubert with his unfinished symphony, even though he was writing sketches for his finale, he knew that this was the last moment and it it is translated in the music and um, I think that should be how we receive it, we perform it and also how we listen to it. So this is a passage from Bruckner's Symphony Number no. 9 in D minor from the second movement, performed by the Vienna Philharmonic, conducted by Carlo Maria Giulini. Thank you. 
That was a passage from Bruckner's Symphony No. 9 in D minor. It was chosen for us by Yannick Nazay-Segan, the conductor of the Philadelphia Orchestra and the Metropolitan Opera, who we are grateful put together a playlist of music that inspires him. So we need to take a short break here. We'll hear more music from the playlist he's put together for us after a break. This is Fresh Air. Let's get back to my interview with Yannick Nazay-Segan, the conductor of the Philadelphia Orchestra and the Metropolitan Opera. Yannick has put together a playlist for us of music he loves that's inspired him. Something else on your playlist is music from Debussy's The Little Shepherd. And I know you like to play Debussy for your cats. Is this one of your cat's favorites? Definitely. (laughs) (laughs) I have one of my cats who is, they're both very musical. Um, Oh, you're the father, of course you think that. (laughs) I I swear, I swear, they're the most musical. I have one who has the perfect voice. He's called Rodolfo, so like uh, the hero in Puccini La Boheme. He's a great tenor. He has the perfect voice, but his ears are so sensitive that when I play piano, he loves it, but he usually has to go in another room because it's too loud. <laughs> but when I play this piece, it's so soft that he, and gentle, he stays around. And Rafa, on the other hand, doesn't have any voice. He's playing tennis, doesn't sing, but he loves music. And the louder, the better. We had friends the other day coming to rehearse chamber music at home with the piano and with some strings. He just stayed the whole time and sat on each and everyone's lap. And just he, he still he, he asked daily, when are the friends coming to make the concert again? <laughs> so um, they're both musical, I'm telling you. Is it true that you leave music on even when you're not home, when nobody's home for your cats? It's very important. <laughs> it's Yeah, but they are. I realized when we started doing this that they were more calm. They were more happy. They're actually more fulfilled and less stressed than someone or stressed or bored. So this is music by Debussy. Debussy is one of the French Impressionist composers. What does that mean? Painting. In music, that's what it means. It means having a story and instead of being completely real, it's all about poetic colors and something that makes us immediately between the reality and the dream. And that's what Debussy uh, does to me. Why don't you choose this piece, uh, an excerpt of The Little Shepherd? So this is from a set of pieces called Children's Corner by Debussy. So... As you can probably guess, I played this piece when I was very young. And when I arrived with uh, my second piano teacher at the Montreal Conservatory, I played her the whole suite of Children's Corner. And she liked especially my Little Shepherd interpretation. So even years later, when I was not a child anymore, she would ask after group classes, she would say at the end, Yannick, why don't you, to finish as a dessert, why don't you play The Little Shepherd, please? Um, I don't know. She was particularly attached to that piece and with me playing it, so it's it stayed with me, and when I play it, I, I think of her. So this is The Little Shepherd from Debussy's Suite, Children's Corner, performed by Yannick Nézé-Ségan from his 2021 album, Introspection, Solo Piano Sessions. (laughs) ¶¶ 
So that was The Little Shepherd from Debussy's Suite Children's Corner, performed by Yannick Nézé-Séguin from his 2021 album Introspection Solo Piano Sessions. And Yannick is at the piano on that, of course, and he is our guest today. And he's put together a playlist of music that's inspired him, music he loves, and Debussy is on that list. We'll hear more music from the playlist he's put together for us after a break. This is Fresh Air. I have to say one of the songs on the playlist that surprised me most, the playlist you put together of songs that inspire you, is Olivia Newton-John's song, Physical. So I have to ask you, what is that doing on your playlist? <laughs> Olivia Newton-John was my first crush. Really? You know, oh, okay. oh boy, I loved her. And I'm so sad she passed away now a few months ago. And after being uh, a very courageous, I think, um, an outspoken, you know, uh, journey through cancer and... Um, Olivia Newton-John, I, I think I was aware as many kids my age then uh, because she played on Grease, the movie. And that song, Physical, I I don't know, I couldn't stop listening to it when I was a kid. And I think my older sisters, my two sisters, Sylviane and Isabelle, who are uh, five and six years older than me, they would put that song and ask me to dance on it or something like that, move on it at least. And... Um, it stayed with me, and recently I watched the video again and saw all the gay imagery <laughs> that goes with it and in many ways think that maybe there was something that I did not understand at the time which actually stayed with me. And it's also, I think, a very entertaining and very uh, energetic music that's um, inspiring for all the more physical side of my life now where I go to the gym and I try to stay in shape to make sure that I, um, I, I don't get injured when I conduct. So it's all this put together that really inspired me to put it on the playlist. Great setup. Let's hear it. Olivia Newton-John's hit Physical from 1981, one of those songs on the playlist put together for us by Yannick Nézé-Séguin of music that he loves, music that's inspired him, and he is, of course, the conductor of the Philadelphia Orchestra and the Metropolitan Opera. So I have to ask you something very, very musically important. Hmm. Yes. You decided to go platinum. <laughs> you're, you're, you, you, you've been bleaching your hair for, for how long? Yeah, I think maybe three years now, three, four years. 
sometimes I want to stop, and then my husband says, "No, you're a blonde now. I, <laughs> I'm with a blonde. I want to stay with a blonde." I say, "Okay." <laughs> so, what do you like about it? it? It's funny. I don't think I thought very deeply about it. Um, I think at first it was more a phase where it was almost like a challenge. I had my hair dyed um, in many colors back in the early 2000s when I was my late 20s, early 30s. I dyed my hair silver, platinum, red, blue, not green, uh, but almost. And <laughs> I had almost everything. And then stopped, of course, and I thought that's not my age anymore. And I went to a, a barber shop with a very young uh, owner of, uh, of the barber shop. He's very good in Montreal. And I was discussing, say, I'm too old for it now. And instead of saying, you know, when you say th something like that to someone, usually the person looks at you and says, oh, no, you're never too old. And he looked at me and just <laughs> stared at me. Uh, and he was 23 year old and said, yeah, maybe you're too old in another life. And I didn't like it. I just thought, well, here we go. I'm going to do it to prove you I'm not too old. So, And then he liked it. And I don't know. It just makes me feel more alive. And maybe that's helpful for the kind of image that I still want to uh, undo of what a conductor should look like. Unique, thank you so much for coming back to our show and for putting together this playlist with us and talking to us about the music. And thank you for extending your contract with the Philadelphia Orchestra. Thank you for conducting the Met. Um, it's just been a pleasure to talk with you again. Terry, you're the best. Thank you so much. for. It's an honor always to come to your show. Yannick Nezé-Séguin is the music director and conductor of the Philadelphia Orchestra and the Metropolitan Opera. You can find Yannick's full playlist on our website, freshair.npr.org. This month, he announced he would be extending his contract with the Philadelphia Orchestra for four more years. Earlier this month, he also won two Grammys. Let's close with an excerpt of his recording with the Philadelphia Orchestra that won a Grammy last year. This is from the first movement of Florence Price's Symphony No. 3 in C minor.
Tomorrow on Fresh Air, Mark Marin returns to our show to talk about his new HBO comedy special, From Bleak to Dark. It's very funny and very dark. Marin deals with climate change, threats from the far right, anti-Semitism, his toxic relationship with his father, and the darkest part of his personal life, the death of his girlfriend, TV and movie director Lynn Shelton. I hope you'll join us. Fresh Air's executive producer is Danny Miller. Our technical director and engineer is Audrey Bentham. Our interviews and reviews are produced and edited by Amy Sallett, Phyllis Myers, Sam Brigger, Lauren Krenzel, Teresa Madden, Anne-Marie Baldonado, Thea Chaloner, Seth Kelly, Susan Yakundi, and Joel Wolfram. Our digital media producer is Molly C.V. Nesper. Roberta Shorrock directs the show. I'm Terry Gross. <laughs>